Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine, grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. Back at it with a new, new episode. And y'all, it's about to get a little filthy. Um, Very excited. And, you know, I've been on a reading kick. And shout out to my girl, Lainey Spicer. I mean, she is basically the go-to PR woman, especially in the porn industry. And what I love about Lainey is that she always just knows the type of guests that I need for Sapphire's Airplay. And so this guy in particular, I mean, first of all, the book is called Filthy, The Rise and Pending Death of Vic Legina. And I mean, first of all, when you think about somebody talking about their own like pending death, I mean, you you already know it's going to be a little crazy. It's going to get chaotic. Then reading the book, it gets even better. So Without further ado, y'all, I want to bring on legendary producer, director, author, filthy motherfucker, Brazzers, Brazzers royalty. Like, I really need to call it for what it is. But Vic Legina, welcome to Sapphire's Earplay. Thank you so much for having me. That was a wonderful introduction. What a build up. <laughs> I hope I live up to what you just built up. I'm telling you. I literally finished the book last night. Like, that's okay. how enthralled, and I was like, I have to finish this shit. And I, I really just did not know what to expect from, first of all, a title called Filthy. I'm thinking, like, it's going to be nothing but scat. No, no. It, it goes beyond scat. It goes, I don't even know how many times you mentioned cocaine and everything else, but to summarize the porn world, I think you did it perfectly. <laughs> Well, I got out alive, and I didn't overdose on fentanyl, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how long did it take you to get through the book, may I ask? Um, Not even, no lie, three days. Perfect, perfect. So it was a page turner. It was a page turner for you. It was. And just when I thought, like, the next chapter was going to get, you know, like a downfall, it was just like, no, I'm picturing all of this and especially some of the names that you mentioned and I have had some personal experiences with some I was like oh my god finally finally somebody actually can attest and say yeah this this was fucked up so so I called out people that you uh thought should be called out on things is that what you're saying uh, on certain ones yes and then other ones I was just like oh my god yeah the shit show stories are true you know yeah um yeah I, I was dying laughing because of Rob Piper with him falling <laughs> asleep with his dick in his hand and Rob's been uh, a guest a few times back in the past uh, of your play but never has the motherfucker fallen asleep even in the pussy but I was just like Oh, come on, man. Like, how fucked up did you have to be on yeah. set? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I assume Rob was having a bad day and a bad patch. Um, truth is, I did have one good shoot with him, which then led me to want to book him again. And, um, yeah, he, he crashed into the mountain on that one, I, I would say. And <laughs> and I know it's like, yeah, you know, the problem is, is we, we, we put so much time into these scenes and getting them ready. You want people that are going to rise up to the occasion and not 
bring you down. And he brought us down that day. So once that happens, uh, bye-bye, Rob. And I hope you get better and get through whatever it is you're dealing with. Yeah, 1,000%. And then Angelina Valentine. Mm. Okay, so the first time I ever met her, um, she was actually one of my early, early days at Playboy when I was still hosting a show through um, also Manwin. So... I was doing a show called Radio Sex. It was either uh, Radio Sex or My Dirty Hobbies. We went through so many rebrandings when the Mind Geek days and all that was changing around with Playboy and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I remember it was the shortest interview I have ever given because this girl <laughs> said, oh, I lactate because she had, you know, fresh new titties. And she's like, oh, I lactate. And I was like, really? cool so i'm about to drink my coffee and she just whips out her tits and the saline not even milk but the saline shot into my coffee cup and i looked uh, at my producer and i was like we're done here <laughs> ruins your coffee that's over the line yeah we yeah. don't do that no don't disrespect yeah. my coffee yeah 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 angelina i mean i kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for her because i i like i liked hot messes when i was in my cocaine frenzy days and <laughs> she certainly fit that mold but it became clear that we shouldn't really be shooting her and i think the reality is is that the company loved the shit show aspect of her mm -hmm. um which which in turn encouraged her a little bit more um the the, the i guess it was the worst was when i talk about the the scene that was never released which didn't really have to do with Angelina per se. It right. was more of the fact that they deemed it necrophilia when I literally had to say, yo, dude, she's not fucking a dead guy. That that is necrophilia. And they're like, no, no, no. It's it's because she's getting turned on by the the dead the dead bodies. And I'm like, oh, that just makes her weird. It, it doesn't make it non-compliant. We went back and forth. Um so so you read the book but yes. i do have the audiobook which i i released around the same time and the good thing about the audiobook is i pull actual clips from what i am referencing oh my so, god yeah yeah so it's uh i wanted to make the audiobook a just enhanced experience so when it comes to the scene that was never released you hear the bits and pieces in there and it was um I think that was the shit where we were like, I think we need to take a break on Angelina because we, I don't think she's well mentally, you know? And, and yeah. so that was, that was the last time I saw her. I, I wonder about her. I wonder how she's doing, if she's still alive and with us and in a better place mentally. But what, I, I don't know, you, you fall into porn limbo and then what, you know, everyone lose, loses track of everyone. Yeah. You know, that's, I think one of the things that, you know, People, unless you work in the industry, you're never going to know what it's really like to not just be on set, but also just dealing with a lot of personalities. And I mean, yeah. dare I say, I feel like from both sides of the spectrums, I've worked in, I work in the radio industry and just the regular mainstream. And then when I come to the porn side, it's like, I kind of like the porn side because you just never know what you're gonna get you know you okay. might have like a sane chick one day and then she is coked out you know drunk as a skunk whatever she might be going through it and it's like wow you really don't encounter that on your everyday life right right and and that was the, the thing i had to always 
be mindful to look out for because mm -hmm. if they're what you said they just were, then it's not a compliant scene. Right. And we lost a few days uh, with girls that they contracted because they couldn't keep their shit together. And that burden was then put on us to make sure that we, we had a compliant scene. And, you know, it was like, it was like threading a needle, you know, really yeah. you were trying to get what you needed before they really devolved into an absolute train wreck where you clear as day uh, that they are fucked up and you have to call the scene. Um, I'll call it out right now. I mean, I mentioned it in the book, but I haven't really talked about it on other podcasts. Bonnie Rotten. That was that was towards <sighs> the, the, the the latter uh, part of my career. And uh, I don't know if she did like a vodka enema or something, but reality was is that she came out of everything out of hardcore stills and you know the thousand yard stare yes. you get. Well, that's what was going on. And we were we were just shooting the softcore first before we went to the hardcore. And I had to call it because it was it was so bad. Like, like it, I was looking at this and I was like, this is gross. This is absolutely gross. And when I tried to, you know, uh, call her out on it, um, first thing she did was berate me like, like the drunk at the end of the bar that is pissed off and was screaming at me. And then she calmed down and then asked me for a hug. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, I'm good on hugs right now. I'm not in the hugging mood right now. I said, but we need to, we need to call the scene because you're drunk. And then she went back into drunk, abusive uh, Bonnie, and we just called the day. Now, this was when they put her under contracts. You know, so so Mind Geek is putting them under contracts, and we're the ones who have to make sense of it all. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was big apologies from the head office. She even texted me apology, but I don't even know if she knew what she was apologizing for um, because it was that bad. But... You know, it was on my radar. I shot a scene with Marcus Dupree and her, and he was about to walk off set. Jesus. Um, yeah, and he goes, Deek, the only reason why I didn't walk off is because <laughs> I respect you. Because he respected me, he made through it. But, but I mean, you know, Marcus took a lot of shit over the years, and I got to tell you, like, he was ready to walk off because he was the professional one in the group, and he always was the professional one. So and yeah, it's like funny because I would always hear conflicting. I've never met um, Marcus in real life, but yeah. I've I've definitely heard like two sides of the coin, just like mm -hmm. with everybody. But it's like, I'm glad that with this book, especially, and then like talking about compliance, because right now I'm a QC editor for uh, Evil Angel in the daytime. And then I do my vanilla radio job throughout the afternoon until the night and you know yet the the compliance thing is so big you know people think that you just shoot people fucking and that's it you just put it is you know put it as is but there's a lot of shit behind it yeah you have to figure out if someone's intoxicated you know if there's shit on the camera because you know we do have to comply to bodily fluids believe mm -hmm. it or not mm -hmm. and you know the piss thing too it's just like <laughs> you I mean squirt. Yeah. Squirt. It's squirt. Come on. No, no. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a squirter and I will attest when you did the whole like I I even had to like quote it. And when you were talking about it, I just kept saying, "Yes. Oh my god, finally." Cuz yeah, there is a major difference. Like if I'm seeing yellow and I'm smelling straight urine, honey, you are not a squirter. You are a pisser and you yep. need to go and 
handle that before we have sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what the Pedialyte came into play for. And it, uh, <laughs> sugary sweet urine instead of double uh, 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 A piss urine. So, <laughs> but but yeah, um, I cover a lot of ground in this book because I felt that we have to be all encompassing, and it can't just be about my trajectory. We right. have to delve into the things that that come through and i wanted to kind of just leave my mark on on uh, what i saw because i couldn't keep all of this good shit to myself i just couldn't it, it couldn't die with me so no so this is why we wrote the book yeah <laughs> no honestly again you know i've read a lot of porn memoirs and unlike the jenna jameson book and the Corinne Steffens. I mean, I can go down the list. This finally, I'm like, okay, you really want to know what it's like to get into <laughs> porn? Just read, just read the book. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as, that's as, great. Yeah. Aside from that, because I'm like, we could talk about the book all day, and you have probably done so many fucking interviews about the book. I just want to know the true Vic. You know, sure. I love just how when you just tell it like it is, you have that persona. I've heard great things about you as far as like, your work ethic. And, you know, again, going back to just referencing the book, I mean, I'm glad that you actually called out the agents that needed to be called out. Um, mm -hmm. And especially the ones, you know, who are now being, you know, kind of red listed in the industry. You know, you did uh, talk which about, ones? Which ones? You did, talk, you did talk about James Dean. You did talk yeah. about, you know, Ron Jeremy. And then mm -hmm. um, Derek. You know, yeah. L.A. Direct, I think my first days in Playboy, I kept hearing the stories about Derek and the cane and the abuse and the, the berating of these girls. And again, I couldn't help but kind of smile and be like, huh, finally. Cool. Yes. Yes. Well, we, we, we refer to him as Dr. Evil yes. uh, because that is that is the, the proper name for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I, I could I could go on forever on, on on that guy and all of the nonsense that I had to put up with uh, over the years. Um, is he is he still around? Is he still going? Like, what's the story with him? You know, I was actually curious myself because I believe he's done. Mm -hmm. But I mean, let's face it: in this industry, you're never really done until you're dead. You know, everybody yeah. has their little yeah. comebacks. Yeah, yeah, I guess that or if you're if you if the person is truly done. And I think there's a um a majority of people in the industry who can't live without it. Mm -hmm. And I would say he is one of them because it gives him purpose. But I just liken him to a cockroach that will always survive because with all the people that he pissed off over the years and that he is still going, um, that is that is a cock cockroach trait. So, yeah, survivor. It, it's true fuck boy behavior if you you know if you want to call it that. But mm -hmm. it just again one of my biggest things that I like to advocate in the adult industry, and I wish I can do more. And I really want to talk about this because it seems like it's such a touchy subject when you talk to certain individuals. But mental health, mm -hmm. mental health, especially you know after COVID, you know that became like a hot topic for a lot of people. But the mm -hmm. one thing that I feel is being neglected in the adult industry is mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. And 
you, Vic, especially having that kind of first per, like first person point of view, where do you think the adult industry could be if we had better mental health awareness, advocacy, even just resources? Do you think the adult industry would be still as tainted as it is? Or do you think it would be slightly more respected? Well, I think the, 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 the failure that the adult industry has is instead of just accepting someone willing to have sex on camera when they turn 18 years old, never are they asking the question, should this person mm. be in the adult entertainment industry? And if they are, or if they're young, or if they're just getting out, there needs to be a proper welcoming guide um, that, that everyone should go through. To just go through everything from, and, and I do talk about this in the book, from the STDs that you're likely to encounter, um, the public shaming you're likely to uh, deal with, the discrimination you're likely to deal with when it comes to banking and otherwise. And I, you know, agents when they they see someone uh, or they hear someone turn eighteen and they want to get in porn, they lick their chops. They they start salivating because they see. I can make a lot of money off of this girl, but they're not looking out for them, which is what agents should be doing anyways. So I always look at that porn union and I just question, are they doing enough? Should they be doing enough? Because this is what unions are for. This is when if a producer like me had a problem, I should call the union and be like, look, that's the deal. But the problem is, uh, unless they're employees, of these companies rather than independent contractors can the union really have any teeth and will they actually be effective right now no but i i thought about you know saying look come to me first if you want me to give you the real on the porn industry because i because I, I would have talks with people all the time you know they like, i get in porn i like having sex and like well sit down and that's what i delve into uh, in the last uh, lesson of Dick China's School of Porn, lesson nine. So you want to be in porn, do you? And it goes through everything about how you should behave and what you can expect. Um, so that's why I think, you know, if people want, want to really know the deal, read the book. But I don't know. I, I just have, a, I'm having a hard time breaking through people in the industry um, reading, you know, present uh, company excluded. You know, Oof. you took the time, but yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, that that is the biggest problem. I mean, people do not want to read or do the work anymore, you know. Yeah. And for me, it would be unprofessional to have you on my show and not read your book, not right. even read like a cliff note. Like, I don't mm-hmm. believe in just like, oh, let me just watch the, the interview. No, mm-hmm. because I want to interpret the book the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. one biggest thing on Sapphire's Earplay is like, I love bringing on people like yourself from, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, to really talk about the porn stigmas. And I think you covered it all in one hilarious, you know, just honest, true blue meaning. You know, it Mm -hmm. is a, you know, a foreshadowing, if you will, because again, like you said, agents really only think about one thing, it's the money. And Mm -hmm. we see a lot of these girls and guys, especially, you know, come and go, one or two years, they hit it big, and then all of a sudden, they drop out. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. golden era of porn, I would say, you know, up until the 90s, 
you really didn't see that. You really didn't hear about that until things started getting all digital with the internet. Um, I feel like the mentality of these, you know, individuals has definitely changed. When I talk to like porn legends like Christy Canyon and Ginger Lynn, and I have spoken to Lisa and she will probably not remember me, but that's mm -hmm. okay. But when I talk mm -hmm. to them and you could definitely tell like the mindset was different. They had a more yep. mature approach, you know, but I don't know if that was because the money was a little bit better. The girls mm -hmm. were taken care of a little bit better. You know, I don't know where that disconnect happened, but I feel like the girls that are coming in now, especially, I, I really just, I worry for them. I really yeah. do worry for them. Yeah, I do as well. Um, and I worry that there is bigger issues with the inability to, to communicate on uh, an adult set uh, when it comes to informed consent, when it comes to speaking up. This was what I was encountering towards the tail ends of uh, my career when I was dealing with uh, people born beyond 1995, <laughs> because I, I found that uh, they were they were communicating independent of verbal cues. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, always on the phone and always on social media and not having a conversation like you and I are having. And I was feeling towards the end like. I'm having a conversation with a kid that I just don't relate to. Right. You know, if, if I had children that where you have that generation gap, you're like, I don't understand, you know, my son or daughter. I don't understand. It's a different generation. Well, it became a slippery slope when you're dealing with asking them to have consensual sex on camera. And you're assuming everything's cool because no one's speaking up. But you hear about things after the fact. Right. When you've gone through all the protocols. And at that point, you're like, look, the answer's there. I just didn't have it anymore. I guess I, I aged out. And when you're talking about mental health and everything, um, look, the money kept me in for a, a long time, longer than I expected. But my feeling was, if I'm going to be doing this and the money's on the table, I'm not going to leave any money on the table. Um, but COVID kind of forced the issue. And I think if it happens, uh, a couple years later, I don't, well, one, I don't know if I would still be here because I probably may have gotten a bad batch of drugs and that would have been over. But I think I was perilously close to, you know, having some kind of mental breakdown myself. And I'm a pretty stoic individual. Yeah. You know, I was, I was going hard in the paint on the party side and uh, to get normal because I was dealing with such craziness from the top to the bottom from the company to my staff to the performers themselves. Right. It, and and so I would have to get away and hang out with like sparkly, happy, positive people at Music Fest in order for me to be like, ah, <laughs> I did all these wonderful drugs. I'm ready to shoot porn for the masses again. But that was, you know, how, many, how long can you, can you sustain that really before finally something goes completely into gray matter and you know, you, you're, you're, you're a headline then at yeah. that point. No, I, oh God, couldn't agree anymore. It's like right now mm -hmm. I'm at a transition right now. If I'm going to continue working behind the scenes in porn or just continue my radio journey, because mm -hmm. it's something that I went to school for. It is something that luckily I, I have been able to keep up with and not be 
judged because of the companies I've worked for. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it does take a mental toll because when I'm editing and I'm looking at the, you know, the actions on camera and I'm looking not just from an editing point of view where, you know, all the compliances are listed out where I have to question, does this girl look like she's actually into it? Does this girl look slightly intoxicated? You know, it's it's something I've become combative in and it's something I know that the company that I work for has definitely been like, oh, shit, you're wow. I would not have. And I'm like, yeah, you know, there are things that I'm going to see and tell a little bit differently because maybe it's because I'm more into the kink scene in my regular private life than I am in my work life. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I, there was a couple things that were brought up. Now, I don't know if this was um, things that the head office was conjuring because this was when COVID after it happened and the business shifted and a guy of my uh, overhead and crew size was no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the things that they were conjuring up were actually legitimate things or something else. But there was a couple, you know, they got these anonymous complaints. And one of them wasn't anonymous. This was when, you know, the whole August Ames thing, which I was, which I was part of. And I knew her very well. And I got to know her very well in the last six months of her life. But I would review these, 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 the the footage again, because I still have the footage of of everything, except for the stuff from old DV tapes. A lot Mm -hmm. of that's gone. But I would look at this scene again and look and watch and be like, what, what am I seeing here? I'm seeing arguably a really, really good performer selling that they're having a great time and and, and it looks it looks like a legit positive thing. Right. But then you hear their their recap of it. There's it's completely different. So because I couldn't really see the difference anymore, that's when I was like, yeah, I think it's time for me to go. I, I I'd rather. If I'm going to say working, I'd work for performers from their OnlyFans, um, which was what I was doing for a little bit before I didn't realize there it didn't just the money didn't justify things anymore. Yeah. So I was like, you know, let's let's just let's just walk out, bow out gracefully. Let's walk into the porn sunset. I did enough. I made enough. I I'm still here. So that was the choice I decided to make, and um, every day is is a happy day now because of it. I got chills when you mentioned August Ames because, you know, there's a lot of controversy still to this day since her death. Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, I don't want to bash anybody on this, mm-hmm. but I myself have my reserves of like, did she take her own life? You know, uh-huh. I've heard that theory. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you you hear the interviews, you know, there was, um, gosh, there was a podcast a couple of years ago that was in, investigating Um, Mm -hmm. And it does break my heart because, again, like you said, it would be different if there was maybe somebody on set in these agencies really interviewing these girls throughout their career. Right. You know, call it, you know, call it therapy or whatever. But I really do think that she might be still here with us if there was proper help involved. 
Yeah, it looked like she was on the way. So, so this is what I am privy to because I did get to know her. And I have, a, I still have those text conversations, mm-hmm. uh, long text conversations. And I'll tell you something, you know, uh, the, I shot her, you know, dozens of times before really getting to know her. And besides being beautiful and goofy and cute and, and fun, sometimes she would show up to set and it was just mechanical, you know, but she was getting through it. Um, and some days we were laughing and giggling and everything else, but at the end of it all, you know, we, I shot a scene with her and Johnny Stins outside and she's like, cut, I need some water, you know, grab some water. She drinks it, she lets out a huge belch and then she snorts and <laughs> chuckles and just being completely August. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, so here's someone who had an ability to speak up and say cut because she needed something. And the one scene that was under so much speculation about was one that I directed with her and Marcus Dupree. Mm -hmm. And I watched this scene again and again and again, but another set of eyes, if they want to see things a certain way, will see things a certain way. The podcast you mentioned, you know, they claim to have seen it and they say, oh, it's very evident in her eyes that she lost it right then and there. And I'm like, First of all, how the fuck can you understand what was going inside her brain to make a very bold statement like that? Right. I was in the room, okay? And here's the thing. Again, we talk about, is she performing? Is she enjoying herself? Because she sure is she is selling me on the fact that she's performing. So I, I was taken aback the next day when, when all hell broke loose that, you know, she uh, hated it and you know, I, I was with her that night and she didn't say a word mm-hmm. about the scene. It wasn't until she went home the next day and Kevin saw bruises on her and flipped the fuck out and she started bawling and she said, yeah, it was a rough scene with Marcus Dupree and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, okay, I, I just couldn't really quite figure it out because it completely was the opposite of what I saw with my own two eyes while I was directing the scene and listening with my ears. Never one mention of cut, stop, no, any of that. It was two people performing in a pretty, what looked like a high intensity scene. At the end, you know, a little bit of her, his cum got in her eye. Yeah. Um, you know, Brazzers at the end would always do these fucking stupid, long, more outros. It's like you're asking a girl with jizz all over her face to sit there and continue on so you can get your fucking ad moments. But she was like, all right, I'm done. And so we were done and that was it. And that was the only indication I got during that entire scene that she was having a problem. Mm. It wasn't until later. And then, you know, they wanna they want to blame that scene for one of the reasons why she took her own life. Here's the reality, folks. She was dealing with depression, okay? She was on meds. She almost tried to kill herself six months prior. Okay, this is the reality of depression. And the and the narrative needs to stop that it was Jessica Drake or it was cyberbullying or it was a neglectful husband or it was a scene with Marcus Dupree because the reality was depression is what killed herself. August Ames is what killed herself. Unless, of course, there's other theories that it wasn't by her own hand. And I'll listen to those, but... I'm telling you, we're dealing with with depression here. We were dealing with a legitimately depressed, neglected individual. That's what happened with August. We're going to take a quick 
quick sexy break after this. All right, you sexy motherfuckers out there, it's your sexy break time. There's a lot of new changes coming to Sapphire's earplay, including the first ever video podcast. Yes, now you can see and hear all the content. For $2.99 starting on January 21st with the first video podcasted episode of Mandy Mayhem and I. Yes, you could see all the antics and hear what happens. So $2.99, subscribe through Spotify and you can enjoy all the seeing content to come. All right, you sexy motherfuckers, enjoy the rest of the show. Vic Legina, oh my God, speaking some real truth, you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we we did get a little um, into August Ames and talking about depression. And, you know, I just want to make this clear. You know, like you said, she may still be with us if it wasn't for all the things that was happening with her. You know, people yeah. who know her personally and whatnot, you know, unfortunately, depression is a real thing. So when people say, like, depression is not a real mental health problem it is depression anxiety i i go through that myself personally and you know it takes a village it's not just you know hey let me take my medication today and go about my business it's it takes a lot more than that you have to feel that support you have to you know go through hell and back and continue to wake up every day and say you know what i can do this because i'm not alone in it but unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that, that was the, uh, the wake up call with me was, you know, as I said, she was always professional work, all of that. And I didn't really get to know much about her other than the topical things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until we were shooting a digital playground feature when she then opened up and hindsight, that was her cry for help. Like I, I, I am in a bad spot and I need some help and. I was there to talk with her and try to just be there for her and give her that support that she wasn't getting at home. Uh, and she would tell me a lot of things, you know, about the, the neglected home. That was a big one. And she seemed pretty optimistic that at the turn of the new year, which new year, which would have been 2018, she would have been divorced and uh, was actually looking forward to that mm. and seemed optimistic about things. But she clear as day told me, she's like, yes, um, I tried to off myself. You know, that was around May of 2017. I didn't get much more than that, but I do recall she hit like her and Kevin canceled a scene with her um, for medical issues. That's all we knew. But according to her words, that was when she tried to off herself. Um, but then she said she was on happy pills and going to camp counseling. So, I mean, it seemed to me, which she was, she was doing the right move, which was why when I got the call that, that she killed herself, uh, I, I was stunned because I thought it was moving in the, in, in the right direction. Yeah. But you have, you have a bunch of triggers that wind up happening over a course of time. Um, which, you know, I, I gotta say the scene that she shot with Marcus was literally six weeks before what she actually, she, she actually did it. Mm-hmm. So I was rejecting that theory right off the bat because the base of a lot of what she was talking to me about, she was tanning, she was shooting. A lot of it conflicts with the narratives that were out there. 
based on her text messages to me. Yeah. Um, and, and then there was other things too. Um, I almost feel there was a point where she kind of knew where she was going. She just didn't know when. And so she was trying to have as much happiness and joy where she could find it while she could. Because, you know, she was, there was other, let's just put this, besides me, there were other relationships she was having uh, with people that weren't giving her the support that weren't her husband's. And I found out about this years after the fact. And, you know, it put a smile on my face because I was like, I'm glad she got that joy. I'm glad she had some happiness because she wasn't happy in in, in those last six to eight months of her life. Right. Um, you know, her home life was just terrible. It really was based on her words. Whew. It's some heavy stuff. And again, it's, I cannot stress it enough. If you feel alone, please know that you are not. Seek the support. Seek the tribe wherever you need it. You know, I, I tell people you can DM me. I can lend resources. I am happy to do so. It's just, you know, unfortunately, you can only do so much. But I think the problem with a lot of people is, is that we are not vulnerable enough to each other before it's too late so it's okay to be vulnerable now yes oh yes yeah no no i i i agree with you and you know it saddens me that people want to leave this beautiful place because there is uh, listen it is a madhouse and mm -hmm. things have gone crazy but i will also say there's a lot of beauty in this world and a lot of beauty that i am going to miss when i am no longer here and so it's made me more present of seeing the things that I love and, 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 and enjoying them and living in the moment and stop worrying about what lies ahead. You know, a lot of what I've been reading, I'm, I'm a student of stoicism these days, and a big part of it is forgiving yourself and not, not harboring on the past, harping on the past, okay, and not being so anxious about the future, which we have zero control over anyway. You, mm. we, we as we as, as humans control very little we control what we put in our bodies and maybe what we do for the day and that's about it so any fears or worries or whatever in the future is kind of counterproductive and what you should do is just be in the moment and take take in all this beauty we're we're on this beautiful place like i just couldn't imagine leaving it because i was so miserable i just couldn't but I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's a life perspective, if that's something else completely, or not a chemical imbalance that, that might be caused by depression, you know? So I mean, when you live the life that you have lived, as far as mm -hmm. like all the chaos and and sexiness and the filthiness and just it all, I mean, yeah, you do have to sit back and be like, you know what? This place is not that bad. Right. You do find the happiness. I love how you even just express your love of your dogs. I'm over here like depressed as shit because I work from home and I do not have dogs. I miss having a dog because they are the most loyal, you know, animals and creatures on this earth. And I love your advocacy in in rescuing, you know, and the fact that you brought up Julia Ann. I mean, I love that woman. That woman. Yeah. Oh, my God. G yes. Yeah. I hope Legina Land does get, you know, a rescue spot. I really, yeah. really hope. 
Yeah, Julia Ann, if that haven't exist, her place is firmly secure because of all the dogs that she has saved and all the dogs that she has found new homes in. And uh, yeah, she is one of my favorite people in porn. I mean, she was she was always wonderful and professional when I shot her, and I can always lean on her to match the chaos of these live shows because she was so good at it. Um, but yes, her 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 dog love. Uh, it's unparalleled by anyone I've ever met in this world. Yeah, I, I remember when I was working for Vivid and she did Vivid Radio with us. And I remember someone had told me like, oh, Sap, you think you love dogs. Wait until you meet Julia Ann. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Julia Ann, really? Dog advocate. And then, boom. I mean, if anybody is ever, you know, privy to meeting her in real life or, you know, going to her home, it's like... That woman has so many dogs, so many yeah. lovable dogs too. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Again, it's the beautiful side of porn that we don't talk about enough. You know, there yeah. is some beauty in this art form because that's what it is. And I said it before, sex work is work. The adult industry is no less of an industry of professionals. You know, Vic is one of the living testaments, you know, <laughs> of being a professional. Um but I love it. And again, I just love just the realness that you have brought in this book. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, there was, listen, I dealt, and I think you had as well, um, dealt with a lot of uh, shitbags in this business. And, oh, yeah. And, 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 and there are a bunch of, hold on, doggies, come on, man, I'm trying to do a podcast here. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. But but I will say there are good eggs in this in this business as well, and because of it, kind uh, of snaps and we stop barking. Jordan, come here, come here, you. Um, it's funny you can't yeah. hear the barking, but I can see the dogs. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, now I hear. It's like that, there are there are good people in porn and there are professionals in porn. It's just unfortunately there's a lot that just um, outweigh. Uh, the the good people, yeah, and 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 the and the, and the delights of of people that that we can tend to see. So, yeah, it just goes to show that's the way it is. Yeah, it is. It, it is what it is. Now let's get into some filthiness. Um, gosh, man, uh, I feel like if I were to be a man, mm-hmm. I would be Vic, as far as okay. it comes with sex in the ladies. I am very okay. bisexual. I would say I'm more lesbian than bisexual, you know, being engaged to a man. But goddamn, we just love our women together. And, you know, hearing about your many depictions of sex, I could not help because I call it toxic p- uh, pussy. And one of the Ooh. first things when you said good pussy addiction, GPA, <laughs> if you will, I was like, oh, my God. No, there is a such thing. I agree. I love, you know, pussy like the next person on this earth but goddamn pussy can be so toxic and so rank oh my god i'm a particular <laughs> like i like to say that my fiance is such a whore with women but he knows how particular i am with pussy because i'm like you vic i i just cannot take one for the team if i yeah. smell it i'm gonna stop midway i've actually thrown up <laughs> mid I'm going so down on a chick i'm so terrible yeah yeah i mean I, I was always one to soldier through and get it get it done, um, but yeah, it's um, those those experiences have scarred me. Where I'll even okay, so I'm at the point right now, and, and I'll tell you this. Do you remember 
Uh, and, and, and she's got a wonderful pussy. I'm going to preface this right away. Uh-oh. But there's a there's a girl uh, named Melissa Moore. She was a she was a Spiegler girl. Okay. Oh, God, Very I feel beautiful. yes. Okay. So we hung out, um, and she said to me, like, this, this younger person gave me such good wisdom. She goes, Nick, don't waste your dick. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's actually good advice. It's like, unless it's going to be amazing and phenomenal, don't waste your dick. Don't, don't just fuck to fuck. You, oh my God. You, you fuck because it's uh, a wonderful puss <laughs> and a wonderful human attached to that vagina and a wonderful groundbreaking experience. But, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day. It's like a lot of what we see in porn, even on the personal side, is literally just the topical. Yes. Um, just the, the short nut and the euphoria you get from the short nut. Instead of the actual, like, wait a minute, I, I genuinely, I this person, I'm, I'm more than just physically attracted to them. Um, but that was what the majority of the porn encounters were. And that's, that's what got me to the point of it being so awkward at times where I was like, I don't even know why I'm here right now, to be honest with you. Oh my God. I couldn't agree more. Like sometimes I'm just like, yeah, my, my twenties were my fuck ups in dating and sex now as i'm like reaching 35 i can't believe i'm gonna be 35 this year it's kind of weird a little crazy for me um but black don't crack so that's good i still look like i'm young enough for it but i just i'm at this point where i'm like no i i need good pussy good dick good energy like sex is such a big energy exchange so it's like rank anything rank genitalia i don't care how fine you are i don't hire i don't care how the vibes are i will pass the fuck asleep i will get up i will say hey you know this has been real maybe we should take a shower go like you you were asking like what do you tell a woman that her purse her pussy stinks the best way to say is like baby let's go take a shower now if the shower mm -hmm. doesn't help yeah maybe you just come up with a lie at that end yeah yeah i figure okay so so who said it best Phoenix Marie, and I'll recap what she oh said. Oh my God, yes. She goes, she goes, busted toenails equals busted pussy. And she's got that deep voice, you know what I mean? But like, look <laughs> at the toenails. If the toenails are fucking whack, um, trust me, the vagina will follow. It <laughs> will not be good. And you know what I also want to talk about? Like, I've been talking to uh, girls in their 20s, and it seems to be an epidemic where girls seem to think like that's just how it smells no and no it does not no it does not it, 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 it's not supposed to be a set pool it's not supposed to be a fish factory it's supposed to be pleasant and enticing and there is a way to get that it's it's, it's called biology and chemistry you know you have to put the right things in and keep the wrong things out and maintenance but there needs to be a course in this. Put this in the course, the, the welcoming guide uh, that, that you and I are going to create yes. for the porn industry. I think we should team up. Here, they, you want to be a part? Here you go. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I would love to team up because, yes. Oof. Oh my God. It, yeah. The questions and the things that I get, even just from some of my porn friends, and they're like, stop. 
how do you just know so much about the pussy? I'm like, first of all, yes, thanks to my mother for being a nurse and educating me at a very young age, like both of my parents. But also it's like, I have such a, a bloodhound nose. Like yeah, I will smell too. gas. I will smell gas the minute, you know, it comes out. I will smell rank pussy through the jeans. I'm sorry, as a female, I get offended if you can't smell. Like I know when my pheromones are kicking. Right. And right. my pussy smells lovely, y'all. It is a fucking rose. Does it smell like a rose? Depends upon who it is. I'm giving me claps for that because that's scary. <laughs> yes. And, and I want to ask you, it's like, if I smell it and they smell it, how on earth do you not smell it? Yes. And if you, and if you've got a superpower, give it to all. Like, tell us. Tell us how to block bad pussy from our nasal receptors because this is not cool. It's the same people, like, again, it's cool to have, you know, if, you, if you're if you not a sweater, okay, and you can go without deodorant, more power to you, but there's a difference between, hey, this is a little sweat and a little body odor, and then, hey, you smell like a fresh can of whoop-ass and shit and everything else in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a fine yeah. line. There's a fine line. So it's like BO, it's like there there are pheromones and then there are the nasty, the nastiest of the nasties. And it, if it smells a little sour, mm, yeah, no, can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually gotten me to the point of like, of, of not going through or even trying to date because I just look at them and I'm just, I'm sucking myself out. I'm like, hmm. I bet it smells. And I just have a bad feeling it smells. So like I'm paralyzed and I don't go on dates and I don't go out because I'm psyching myself out that they have bad box. And you know, this is this is what happens in 20 years of porn when you have all of these bad smells uh over the years yes. that you have to encounter. That's why I said, you know, the best people to refer to as far as like, you know, what does smell like sex smell like, like good sex. Go to any swinger party. Go to a mm. porn set if you're able to, if you're likely. I mean, don't be a fucking creep and act like it's Disneyland and, you know, have some goddamn sense. It's like going mm. to any movie set. You might run into some stars, but you're going to see and smell a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Good sm- good sex just smells a little musty. But when it yeah. starts smelling like Badissi and nasty rank armpit, no. <laughs> Swamp muck is what I use. Sewer gas, that's another one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been there and I've had to, I've had to uh, use some tactics uh, to, to get through the, the, the job. But um, yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate because you never look at that person the same way. Again. Never. <laughs> never. One of my, my biggest porn crushes, I, I, I will tell you after, I will not put this okay. person on blast. But sure. one of my porn crushes, I had heard the box did not match everything else. Mm-hmm. And after that, and then I smelt her in person and I was like, Oh, and the tracks were showing. I'm talking about mm-hmm. her hair tracks. I was like, Oh, this is a killer. This is a yeah. killer. Such a killer. Yeah. But- yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm curious to see if it's on my, uh, my, my mental Rolodex of uh, <laughs> my encounters as well, because uh, chances are, I'm going to bet that yes, it is. I, I think we'll probably be like, yeah, 
100%. Yeah, I, you know, it was like, damn, it's a shame. But I always say, you know, you can always tell by a person, especially when you're hooking up, guys, you know, guys that don't clean their sheets when they know they're going to get some pussy, he probably got nasty schmegma dick. Okay. Yeah. Women, if the woman does not, you know, also change her sheets, but also, you know, likes to reuse jeans and let's face it ladies it's cool to not wash your jeans but when you know you are on your period or you're on that heavy heavy you know estrogen kick when you're ovulating sometimes our odor gets a little rank sometimes yeah. or you know you, you could smell like the eggs marinating <laughs> don't wear the same jeans for the day and then expect me to go down on you it's just not gonna happen yeah, and, and I also say, look, if it's out of order, hang an out of order sign and don't let anyone down there. Yes. Just be respectful. Be a respectful lover. You could just say, hey, I'm on my rag, but um, you know what you get? Titty fucking and, and yeah. sucking. That's what you get. Titty yeah. fucking and okay. sucking. And, and you know what? That, that, everyone loves titty fucking and sucking. If you're, if you're, if you're a man and you have a penis, uh, those are both. You're never going to say no. Oh, do you want me to suck your dick? Do you want me to use my testing? No guy's ever going to say no to that. So just be like, okay, and trust her. Trust her you don't want to go in there. Yes, and at least she was being honest. At least she was being honest. Ladies, just yes. be honest. It's okay. It's, it's very okay. You know, <laughs> as a man, I would respect. I'd be like, I hear you. I see you. Good. Thank you for telling me because this could have been disastrous yes that's that's a respectful lover even if it's just a one-night stand just be a respectful lover and a respectable fucker like you don't serve dessert before you taste test the dessert so taste test then serve yes well i'm glad i found someone as equally passionate about hygiene as i am because oh yes uh yeah because like listen women you know here's the deal men we are animalistic savages but women like someone who has fresh breath, who's got rich... Okay, the armpit thing, interesting, because I've been with women who are like, no, let me smell that good stuff. Like, like I can be sweaty. I'm like, no, you want to go there? They're like, no, let me smell your armpits now. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And they're like, and they're loving it. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that's a pheromone thing. But, yeah. but yes, yeah, dude. Uh, dude, trim your ball hair and your pubes. And... You know, before you get have sex, wash your grundle thoroughly. You know, it's very important. Put on some nice skin lotion. Smell nice. Do you know how many times I've given a woman a hug and they go, you smell so good. It's like, it's by design, you know? Vic, I'm not going to lie. I was over here like, goddamn, yes, if I ever get to meet you in person, I mean, yeah. I don't know how you swing and everything, but I'm like, I'd put you on my fuck list. You, you, yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He talks about hygiene. He, he keeps it real. There we go. We can do this. Yeah. It's it's doable. Yeah. It's manageable. Okay, so I have a couple fan questions. And sure. some of them, I mean, they're the most obvious, of course. But oh man, let me pull these up. And shout yeah, let's, out to let's go, let's go dirty. Yeah. Yes, let's let's go dirty. I mean, is it dirty? I think it's just more of like, you know, the curious, but shout out to the Moan app. Moan is a sex positive um, app, kind of like Clubhouse, but a little bit better. It's great platforms for sex workers and sex enthusiasts alike. So these are the questions. So this one guy says, has the emergence of platforms like OnlyFans changed their approach to making content 
or influence future planning for the film industry? Um, that's a good question. I mean, look, what I was seeing with OnlyFans, uh, they were following what the regulations that had to be followed that by, by Pornhub and everything else in terms of compliance, in terms of what they could show and whatnot. Um, the reality is, is that the bankers decide virtually everything these days. So, yeah, I would say the porn that you saw back in the early 2000s, you know, the the uh, anabolics and the real extreme stuff, I um, I think that's the stuff that's out there and that's all you're going to get in, yeah. that, in that regard. I think reality is now it's gotten very, very soft. And I don't mean it's, it's soft core. I just mean, relatively speaking, to what it was even 10 years ago in terms of things of, of, of what were, was being demanded or asked. So 100%, I think OnlyFans changed it all because the money was now going to the performers instead of the studios who were dictating what everything was. Now the studios have to kind of abide by what the performers want to do, which nothing wrong with that. But I mean, unless you have a performer out there who is legitimately into the the rougher stuff, you're not going to get that anymore. It's going to be very vanilla. At least that's that's what I have seen. 1000%. Um, same person also asks this, and you go over it in your book. We talked about it a little bit here too, but they want to know um, what about, you know, how did Brazzers facilitate scene negotiations between the actors if they do at all? Um, is it purely based on what's written on the contract or is there a dedicated time for the actors to negotiate the scene? Okay, so the way it would always work on my end, and, and again, this was from 2006 to 2020 when I was involved. So I, so from then to now, I, I can't really speak of their protocols. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would be completely out of turn, but this was the, whole, the way it all worked. We would get a list of who they wanted and the sex acts they wanted, a name, BG, boy, girl, or BGA. And so I would, I, for a while there, I was the one making the calls and then my production manager was making the calls because I couldn't deal with it anymore. But it was like, okay, this is the ring. Then you go to the rate of what the agent is quoting to Brazzers and they say, yay or nay. Uh, too rich for us, we're gonna go with someone else. On top of it, once it's locked in for the rate, then came the script. And the script was, you know, based on the trends that were going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you before the advent of OnlyFans and all the performer platforms, when we were more in uh, bad economic times, where there was very little, there wasn't a lot of work. And so the work that was being thrown out by browsers, everyone was grabbing for it. So they would say to me, we want this, this is the script, and we would have to negotiate with the agent. The agent would talk to their talent and either yes or no. We need this. This person won't do it, but this girl will. Mm -hmm. And what's her rate? And so that was how a scene evolved, where... The, the, the performer agreed to the sex acts that Brazzers was requesting at the rate they wanted. And then we have a handshake deal, pretty much. There was no contract involved. It was, this is what it is. And we tried to inform as best as possible. Yeah, I 
from what I still remember and still do now with Evil Angel, like, you know, you do have the before interviews, the after interviews. Um, there was a documentary that I QC'd called Consent that uh, John Stagliano did. And they were talking about, you know, the consent evolving films and talking about, you know, scene negotiations or how sometimes they may show up on set and say, like, you know what, I'm not really feeling this but maybe we can do this instead but i right. feel like it is you know like you said it's kind of like a studio to performer agreement you know everybody shoots a little bit differently but i think the main thing is what would be dope to see more are these before and after interviews i mean yes a lot of companies just feel like the average cor uh, porn consumer corn talking about uh, social media mm -hmm. um they you know they always think that the average porn consumer is dumb as fuck but it's like i feel sex is evolving and you know the the way sex is being presented is evolving so why not bring up these consent videos i think it would be a little bit more helpful and knowledgeable for the average porn consumer to maybe take porn a little bit you know seriously i mean it's not mm -hmm. supposed to be taken literal but at least they could take a little bit of it and be like, okay, so she did want this. They did want this type of scene to happen. I think it could start the conversation a little bit better with, with porn and consent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where it was going uh, after I was done because there was talks about how we could do better and do more. Mm -hmm. And there was, a, you know, besides the producer or sorry, the talent advocate on set, making sure. That was like a neutral body that was keeping an ear out for the girl if she was having a problem uh, because of that inability to speak up in front of people. Um, and there was always like a more extensive uh, yes and no list. And, and in the, the entry interview and the exit interview, uh, I've gotten a much more bigger from my understanding. The problem I had with that was the days were already chaotic enough and there was already a lot going on mm -hmm. that this just seemed to me to be it just you're you're throwing more shit on the pile you know what i mean you're, right. you're just adding more to it and the job was already getting difficult enough to the point where i was like you know um i think it's time for people to who, who, who need this more than i do to put up with this shit because i i can't do it anymore i'm not saying it's a bad thing I'm just saying, for the amount of stuff I had to do in a, in a given day, this would seem to add on even more time and make a day even tighter because I had to deal with people flying out of Vegas back to LA. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, but but I think everything about it is great. I think you need to have all this and you need to record it because if someone says, well, I didn't want to do that, well, here's your entry video saying you're full of it. Um, and, and that's that's where I was I was getting a little dumbfounded where nothing was making sense to me anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now this other person wants you to debunk stunkcock and fluffers. Do they okay. exist? <laughs> okay, so I never had okay, I never had fluffers uh, as as something on my on my shoots unless we did the epilogue which you read in my book mm -hmm. which was but that was like the gauntlet of of porn for people wanting to be male porn stars which was 
the greatest shit show I ever witnessed. <laughs> but that was the only time we had fluffers, which were which was more like a, a task and a chore to see if they can get lift off before they moved on to the next phase of the show. Um, stunt cocks. Okay. Well, I would be lying to say that the intended penis um, did not finish. Or I, 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 like, I, I would be lying if I said that never happened. Because it did happen a few times. Where you're waiting all fucking day for a dude to not any camp. So what do you do? And you try to match with a stunt cock. Now, mind you, this was like, we're talking circa... 2004, 2005. Oh, yeah, this wasn't like when I started hiring real coxmen. Mm -hmm. When I started having real talent and I had budget for real talent, that shit never happened. And when you had an off day, we were waiting there until you nut young man and you <laughs> figure out what you got to do to come. So <laughs> it, it, it has happened. Um, there is a funny story that I didn't mention in my book, but this happens in when we were shooting some scenes in the early days of Brazzers where the dude couldn't finish, so someone else did. And the problem was the hand did not match at oh, all. No. Like, oh, like, no. Like this, this, this guy had, like, hairy hands and hairy knuckles, <laughs> and, and, the, and the original guy didn't. So you're like... Uh, it's not gonna match, but we did get some ejaculate, so oh my maybe God. they won't notice. Yeah, but that was like that was like before it got like professional, really professional. Like when you have that conversation, you're like it doesn't just happen. You're like, okay, so are you cool with that dude over there nodding on your face? And the girl says, no, it's not happening. But sometimes the girls be like. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I just want to get paid to get the fuck out of here. So, so that's that's what what led to this these stuncock moments. But overall, um, yeah, you just try to hire reliable dicks. That that's really what you should do. Hire reliable dicks is right. Uh, yeah. One more question. Let's see. Sure. There was so many questions, but I'm like, y'all, come on, read the fucking yep. book. Just read the book. Right. Yep. Um. What? Where would you say? Um. Has corporate culture changed and evolved with the tube sites and bedroom to market um, the bulk of content creating? That's interesting. I I, I don't know how to, I can't really answer that one. I could tell you when I saw the corporate switch was happening when Brazzers started blowing up huge in 2007. Mm -hmm. That was when it stopped being a bunch of frat bros and it turned into more of a corporate mix. Um, and it got to be kind of difficult to deal with at times because, you know, corporate is corporate. You have so many layers of, of the red tape. But if it comes to, like, the, the, the content production now, I can't speak of it because I'm, I'm not in it anymore. You know, I, I don't really know. Yeah. So I, I don't have a problem saying I don't know the answer to that one. Sure enough. But you know what? Y'all can get your questions uh, answered of, like, how to get into porn, what to expect, how to avoid bad pussy and all that, of course, by reading Filthy by Vic Legina, The Rise and Pending Death. Please don't die on me, Vic, because I don't want to be the one to say, like, I had the last interview because you died. Like, please well, don't, don't do it. Well, well let's, let's get a little philosophical here. Okay? <laughs> the, 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 the reason for the pending death, aside from the fact 
all of our deaths are pending. We just don't know when it is. True. It's not. It's not like I'm terminal. I'm not. I mean, well, we all are terminal, you know, because we have a. We definitely have an expiration date. But there's nothing impending here. It's just it's going to happen eventually. But here's the reality of the situation. Vic Legina was created solely for the purpose of producing and directing porn. Okay. Vic Legina is no longer necessary. So this whole book, and I've said this in other interviews, is Vic Legina's swan song. You know, this was what Vic Legina had to say um, regarding his entire existence, 20-year existence in the porn industry. And it's his swan song. And it's like, you know what? I don't give any more fucks about the business, about upsetting people, about worrying about what people think. This is my experience, or this was a big experience, and I'm giving it to you because that dude is no longer in existence. I love That's it. That's the reality. I love it. Well, with that said, where can folks get in touch with you? So the best way is either Twitter or Instagram at Vic Legina. Uh, I'm not on TikTok really yet. Um, I would say go to my website, VicLegina.com, and you can see a trailer for the book. It's badass. Uh, you like it? You like I loved it. I loved it. Great, great. Well, that was um, that was one of the things I, I I felt like if I'm going to do this, every facet of this book from the print book from the cover to cover and everything in between needs to be extremely thought out. The planning and the marketing of it has to be extremely well thought out. The song that was the trailers created, I created and wrote that song. And, and produced it. I own the rights to that song. Like I went full entrepreneur on this thing, and I made sure we are not going to drop any of this until it's my exact vision and it's perfect. But if you want to see some boobies, go check out the trailer. And then from there, you have to decide: Are you a print person? Are you an audiobook person? Because both are great experiences. I made sure of that because I wasn't going to release this unless it was exactly what I wanted. And it took eight and a half years from start to finish to get this exactly right. It's perfect. Well, guys, Vic, thanks again for being just an awesome host. I mean, guess, I mean, shit, whatever. <laughs> Thank you for just coming on the show. I mean, for not sure. figuratively, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> right yes. Got me yeah. all tongue-tied and twisted, yeah. y'all. I know. I'm seeing that you're, 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 all your words are everywhere. So they I are. You having me. I appreciate <laughs> you having me. I appreciate your kind words. I love your positivity. I love the great things you said. I love the fact that you read the book before the interview because you're right. A lot of people don't, and that's cool. But you know, um, it, it's good. It's good to 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 know what what you're talking about. Yes. And I'm and I'm glad you had a great experience reading it because that means a lot to me. One thousand percent. You guys know where to reach me. That's at MsRadioSapphire.com, at MsRadioSapphire on Instagram, M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E. We'll be coming back on the 21st with Mandy Mayhem. It's going to be the first podcasted um, interview of 2024. Y'all, uh, just get ready. I mean, I already kicked it off with the filthiness of Vic Legina. Then it's going to get a little more nastier talking about some phenomenal pussy with Mandy Mayhem. Should I say legendary clitoris? That's what I should say. Safe sex is the best hot sex. Till next time. Good night. 
That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Remember to follow at Ms. Radio Sapphire and Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram. Want some eargasms of the past and future? Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all streaming platforms.